Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I want to start off by telling you a little story. Uh, Over the years, I've had the privilege, the privilege of knowing some very godly people, some people who have, have done things that when I look at what they've done with their lives, I sit back and I say, wow. I can't, I just, you know, can I, can I do that? And just recently, Angie and I was listening. Matter of fact, uh, Ryan, I'm going to try to try to do this here. I want you to listen to this. And then I'll tell you the story. Friend, this is a voice note because I'm, please pray right now. It's 2.30 a.m. And the pregnant lady who's supposed to fly for the third time Actually, there's two ladies, third time they're trying. The one who was kicked off the flight this week. Um, And we bought another ticket with another airline that accepts 34 weeks according to their website. Uh, But now it seems like the airport people are refusing her again, regardless. So I'm going to the airport now to try to talk to the manager, area manager for Ethiopian and show him the website. Please, please pray that she can fly. Also just pray for strength for me and for my husband too. And um, if she doesn't fly tonight, she cannot fly. She will have to be in the jail with her baby. So please, please pray. Now, I hope you could hear that. I'm not sure if you could hear it as well as I hope that you could. But I want to, uh, I wish I could introduce this lady to you, but I can't because she is in a country where she's not supposed to be. This is a young lady who grew up less than 100 yards from where uh, I raised, you know, my children. Uh, Her father was a person who discipled me early in my Christian walk. And I watched her plus her two sisters grow. They were part of our church. And when she became an adult, she decided that she wanted to do something with her life more than just be a church person. What she wanted to do was make a difference for the kingdom of God wherever it was that he wanted to lead her. So she gets on an airplane and she flies halfway around the world and she lives with someone else that was local to us that she grew up with who was serving God in the Middle East. 
And she spent two years praying about where God would have her. And the ministry that God birthed in her was taking women who were involved in the sex trade in the Middle East and leading them to the Lord and then sending them back to their home country. This is a precious lady, and I'm part of her group online through a special channel so that, you know, it's not a public ministry. And I'm not, like I said, I don't even want to say what her name is. Some of you all probably know her if you, you know, grew up around us. But that was her on the telephone leaving us a message. There's about 50 of us on this group that prays for her. What she'll do, she'll bring these ladies in off the street where they'll know about her ministry whenever they're ready to give Christ their life. And whenever they're ready, because they're so afraid of, 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 of what they've got themselves into, or they find themselves pregnant with one of the many men who they've slept with, and they come to this young lady, and she speaks out to us and says, it's going to cost $700 for a plane ticket to get her back to Ethiopia or wherever it happens to be. In this particular case, what she was talking about, she was, in a, she was in her car on the way to the airport to make sure that this particular lady who was 34 weeks pregnant was able to get on an airplane and get back to her supportive family in her home country. And it took her four times to, before she was finally able to fly and get there. And, and also she sent a picture of these t- you know, this lady along with another lady along with her. And I looked at that and I'm thinking, you know, what am I doing with my life? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Whenever you see people really sacrifice like that, you think that, you know, getting up early to, to come pray at church or do something like what we do, did here a couple Saturdays ago, that that right there was a big sacrifice. You know, it's, it's really not. It's really not. So I just wanted to say that as, as we're getting started. And I want you all to pray with me uh, before we uh, go any further. Heavenly Father, we're grateful that you have provided a place for us to come and serve you. There's so many things, Father, that, um, uh, that we get caught up in. Uh, they're good things. They're good things. Lord, we're concerned for those that are, that are up in Kentucky and other states that um, have suffered this flooding and so much loss of life, and, and of course they still haven't found uh, everybody that's missing. Lord, uh, impress upon us what it is in addition to uh, um, money, Lord, that we might be able to do for these people that are just north of us. Lord, we, we get caught up in our country and the things that are going on in our country. This law being repealed, this law being passed, this legislation, you know, moving through, and this person running for office, this person that's in charge, and we get so caught up in that, Lord, and, and COVID's late, latest wave, Father, uh, there's, there's just so many things that sidetracked us, Lord, but just like the last song that we sang, Father, we want your presence on us. Uh, so that we won't be easily detracted by these many things. And Father, we want to know what it is that you want to do here. So we pray that your presence is as thick as fog today. Father, we pray for decisions that would be made. And God, we ask that you be with us to the remains of this time we have here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now,
If you've never done this, you really don't know what I'm talking about. But Dickie and I were talking as we came in. I got a call yesterday afternoon from, from Pastor Matt, and he has COVID, for those of you that don't know what's going on with him. But that's the reason why he's not here this morning. And he asked me, he said, Dad, can you speak tomorrow? And of course I said yes. You know, the Bible says be instant in season and out of season. Okay, so I'm going to say yes. He said, because if you don't, I can always play a video. And I thought, sure, to goodness, I can do better in a video. But then again, I don't know. <laughs> we'll just have to see. But uh, whenever you are preparing a sermon, and this is something that I learned in, in, in college, whenever I was in Bible college, that it takes a good 20 hours to prepare a sermon. That's because you're gathering all the information and you're narrowing it down to 30 minutes or 40 minutes. So that's difficult. So uh, I had just the evening last night and a little bit of time this morning. So I just want you to bear with me and pray that we get across exactly what we had planned on getting across. We're in week 14. 14 weeks in the book of Acts, and we're still only in the 6th and 7th chapter. If you have your Bibles, I do want you to take it, and I want you to, to turn to Acts chapter 6. Like I said, 14th week of Unstoppable Church. I, I, I made this note here that I want to read to you. What, what does it mean to be an unstoppable church? Think about that for just a moment. And because so, so many churches stopped, okay? So many churches not have just nothing stands still. If you're if you're going upstream, which is what we are doing in our Christian walk, we're going upstream because everything about us is going against us. So as we're going upstream and we decide we want to stop, what happens? We immediately start receding. We start going backwards. So what is it that we need to do to make us an unstoppable church? And some of the things that I wrote down, we can't be self-serving. And you hear that all around when people talk about their churches and what's going on at their churches. We, we can't be self-serving. We can't be self-absorbed. We can't think that it's about us. And we see that so much. You know, I'm new to town. What I want to find, I want to find something, you know, a good youth program for my kids. I want to be able to find uh, something that's got uh, good praise music or I don't like that old rock and roll music. I want to find something that sings the old hymns. And, and you know, I want something that's going to be, you know, just a hand-in-glove fit for me, okay? That's what you call self, being self-absorbed. What we should be praying is, Father, lead me to a place that will challenge me in my walk with you. That's, that's where we need to be going. Uh, we don't attend because of the cool band, because of the well-spoken pastor. We hold no grudges. We don't try to control others, and we love unconditionally. And I, I got this quote from Francis Chan. I don't know if you all have ever heard of Francis Chan. wrote a book called Crazy Love that just really messed me up. Outside of the Bible and experiencing God, Crazy Love really messed me up. And if you haven't ever read it, you need to get a copy of it. It's about 10 years old, 10, 12, year old, 10, 12 years old now. But I remember as I was reading that book, uh, Angie and I was uh, in the car driving to the beach. And that was one of the books that I got that I was going to read while I was at the beach, but I couldn't wait. So by the time I got to Asheville, I'd already read into the third chapter and I stopped and I said, hey, I'm going to have to stop reading this book because if what this guy is saying is true, I've got to make some changes. And then when we got to the beach, 
Instead of laying out there in the sand reading that book, I read it in the room with my Bible open so that I could check this guy out. And one of the things that he said is, and the chapter was overwhelmed by a relentless God, God doesn't call for us to be comfortable. He calls for us to trust Him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we would be in trouble if He doesn't come through. Think about that. Have you ever put yourself in a place? Have you ever found yourself saying, I can't believe I agreed to do this. Because <laughs> I can't, you know, I, this isn't me. This isn't me for sure. This isn't my strength. This isn't something that's my nature. So God, I'm really going to need you. How many times have we done that? You know, a lot of people like to serve him real safely. And what we learn in this particular scripture today, Stephen did not serve him very safe. So if you'll read with me, starting with Acts chapter 6, or you can look up on the screen. Stephen, who stood out among the believers for the way God's grace was at work in his life, for his exceptional endowment with divine power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose from some who belonged to the so-called synagogue of former slaves, members from Cyrene, from Alexandria, and Cilicia, and Asia. They entered into the debate with Stephen. However, they couldn't resist the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. And if you remember from what we read last week, whenever we were having the issue with the division of the resources between the Jewish Christians and the Hellenist Christians, which was the Jews and the Greeks, it's really important that we understand what was going on in the book of Acts. You know, it's really important that we look in context of what's taking place. If, you, if any of you all have ever heard of the great historian, the Jewish historian Josephus, and you've seen the many volumes of history that he wrote on the time of the Jews around, you know, in Palestine, you know, at this place and time, we know who was in charge. Who was in charge? The Romans. But you know, whenever the, uh, Jesus' time, the yeah, the Romans were crucifying people, but, you know, all in all, they were pretty easy to get along with for the most part. You know, as long as you all do your thing and you can practice Judaism, you can do what you want to do, you know, just don't, just don't get in our face with anything. That was what was going on around the time of Jesus. So we're talking around 30 AD, somewhere in that neighborhood. Well, we fast forward ahead to this particular time, which is somewhere in the time frame of about, you know, theologians differ on whether it was around nine, you know, 90 A.D. to about 110 A.D. So, so we're looking a good generation, generation and a half from a time Christ was gone and the church first started to when this is actually being told. That's important to know, and here's the reason why. Because in this particular time, what happened was that there was a Jewish revolt against Rome. And do you know what happened? Roman came in, I mean the Romans came in, and they just squashed it. And in the middle of squashing it, Jerusalem was destroyed. The second tabernacle was destroyed. The places where Jesus went in and taught and things like that, it was all destroyed. According to some numbers, over a million people, a million Jews were killed. This wasn't comp uh, people who was fighting against Rome. These, this was just the inhabitants that lived there. 
Now, when you drive into Johnson City, you'll see the sign that says, Welcome to Johnson City. And it says, How many people live here? You know, in the city, it's like 55,000. You go to Kingsport, and it says 57,000. Well, let's say that you take everything from uh, Morristown all the way back to Mountain City. That's about how many people were killed during this time. So that's the context that we're talking about. And I think that's important to understand because you have this new faith practice that is growing. We call it Christianity, the beginning of the church. And as it's growing and you've got the Greeks over here that have come to Christ and you've got the Jews over here that have come to Christ from Judaism and then you see the division of the resources not coming out as they should and as Pastor Matt talked about last week, you had... You had um, uh, seven men that were chosen, and they were well-favored men and wise men, and they were all Hellenists, uh, best we can tell, and Stephen being one of them. So let's pick back up. Opposition arose from some of those who belonged to the so-called synagogue of former slaves. Members from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and Asia entered the debate with Stephen. Okay, things were going too good. However, they couldn't resist the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke, now, here's what happened. And this is, this is just being church, okay? Then they secretly entice some people to claim, we heard him insult Moses and God. They stirred up the people, the elders and the legal experts. They caught Stephen. They dragged him away and they brought him before the Jerusalem council, which was the Sanhedrin. Before the council, the, uh, council they presented false witnesses who testified, this man never stopped speaking against this holy place. In other words, he was what they were saying was, you know, we knew that if we spoke these things, that would tear you up more than anything that we could say. And truly, you know, they were saying those kinds of things, but not in the context that they were repeating them to the Sanhedrin. In fact, we heard him say that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, will destroy this place. And after the customary practices, Moses gave us. Now, Here's what happened. And I'm going to read. I want you to back up. Now it says, it says everyone seated in the council stared at Stephen and they saw his face was radiant like an angel's. I want to back up just a second and I want to read what it says in the chapter before that, or, or excuse me, the three verses before that. So let me pull my Bible up here and I want to read those verses to you. You know, but well, basically what he was saying, he was saying to them, This is what the Jews have done to this faith. And he goes through and he preaches this long uh, message that talks about from the time of Abraham, their father, their spiritual father, all the way through the period of Moses. And he talks about what took place. And then, then he jumps ahead and he says, and then you birds, okay? He's pointing out to them. He's pointing out to them and he's saying, you birds, look what you did to Jesus. And look what you're doing against this faith practice that's starting to grow. So that's when we get to the part where it says everyone seated in the council stared at Stephen and they saw his face was radiant just like an angel's. Now whenever you, and I asked Angie this question yesterday, whenever you picture an angel, what an angel looks like, what do you see? Do you see this cherub? 
you know, this little round face, you know, with real pretty, you know, sky blue eyes and the curly hair. You know, a lot of people, when you think of angels, like if you were to went in Lifeway before and you would have saw, you know, pictures of angels or little little doodads, you know, uh, whatnots, you know, of, of angels, you see these pretty little angels. But if you'll look in the Bible that any time an angel appeared somewhere, what was the first thing that it said? Fear not. Why? Because their look was radiant. These dudes just came from heaven. They just come from the presence of God. So you've got these guys that are talking back to Stephen here, and they're saying, you know, they're, they're going to take him out and they're going to stone him. So that, that's, that's where we are in this. And uh, I, I'm trying to follow some notes that I was given, and that's kind of hard to do, but I'm going to do the best I can because I'm going to make sure that I communicate what Pastor Matt wants us to communicate. But really what he's wanting to communicate is you take these people like Stephen, where are they today? I think in this young lady that I described to you a moment ago, you know, there's, it could happen any time where somebody comes along and picks her up and takes her and imprisons her. Did you, if you ever picked up the book, uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll see so many ways that people were creatively put to death for following Christ. I remember I was in uh, Africa back about, oh gosh, it's been probably about 12, 13 years ago now, and, and uh, uh, I was serving with a man whose father uh, it was in Uganda during the time of Idi Amin. And uh, some of you older folks, you know, remember that time when Idi Amin was a dictator in Uganda and he was trying to uh, squash, you know, Christianity in his country. And what he was doing, he was going to villages and he was systematically eliminating every Christian in there, either with bullets or with machetes or, you know, just burning them out. And this, this man that I was serving with, his father was in a prayer meeting with two other pastors excuse me, seven, there was a total of 17 there. And the uh, police came in and, and knew who they were, okay? And they lined them up against the wall and they just shot them all down. Picked up their dead bodies, put them in the back of a dump truck, took them out to a mass grave that had already been dug, that already had bodies in it, and threw their bodies in there. Now, his father, his name was Isaac, he was shot four times, all, all in the chest and abdomen. He didn't die, but he laid under the bodies of the others until he heard the truck pull away, and he was able to climb out of that mass grave, and he was in hiding for two years while he recuperated. And what was typical, what was typical is after they mowed down, you know, these men, and these are people who knew one another, okay, then they would go back to their homes, rape their wives and their children, and then kill them. So Isaac lived for two years knowing that that's what happened to his wife and his, and his family. So two years pass and he decides, okay, I'm going to write a letter of apology to my in-laws because I took this stand for Christ and it cost me my family. Was that really fair to my in-laws who didn't believe necessarily the way that we believed? So the letter arrives to the in-laws, and the in-laws say, we wonder if this is really from Isaac. Our understanding is that he was killed two years ago and buried in that grave outside of town. So we're not going to reply. 
So a little more time went, and he wrote another letter and sent it to them. And this time, for I don't know all the details, I don't remember, but then they were finally able to reunite Isaac with his wife and his children. Because whenever they heard that they were being executed, you know, just down, down the street in their village, they fled out into the fields, and they were never killed. So for two years, he thought his family was killed, but they weren't. Now, I saw this man's chest. Saw him open up his shirt, and you could see the bullet holes that tore into his body. And when I met him, he was the bishop over a group of churches in his country. So he didn't learn his lesson, apparently. He found that there was something great, greater than himself, greater than anything else in this world, and that was serving the cause of Christ. So what we're trying to find out today, are there any Stephens among us today? Are you a Stephen? Can you be a Stephen? Let's continue, let's continue to read um, this next uh, piece of scripture here. Once the council members heard these words, they were enraged and began to, to grind their teeth at Stephen. But Stephen, enabled by the Holy Spirit, stared into heaven and saw God's majesty and Jesus standing at God's right side. He exclaimed, look, I can see heaven on display in the human one. In other words, the, the son of man standing at God's right hand. At this, they shrieked and covered their ears. Together they charged at him and they threw him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses placed their coats in the care of a young man named Saul. As they battered him with stones, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, accept my life. Falling to his knees, he shouted, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. Now, at that time, the church in Jerusalem began to be subjected to vicious harassment. Everyone except the apostles was scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Now, if you read the entire book of Acts, and in some of your Bibles, most of our Bibles, whenever it tells the title of the book, it says that this is the Acts of the Apostles. Would you agree? Not what it says? But if you actually read the book of Acts, it's not about the Acts of the Apostles. It only mentions three of the twelve, as a matter of fact. It mentions Paul, it mentions uh, James, no, it's good, no, four, four. Talks about Paul, talks about Peter, talks about James, and it talks about John. Only mentions those last three one time. Talks about Paul several times. But during this time that it was actually written, what had already taken place is that Paul had been beheaded in Rome. And Peter had been crucified upside down for the cause of Christ. So you see Stephen here, you know, this story happens to be about him. But when, we're, when this story is being told, when Dr. Luke is telling this story of what takes place, you know, during the early days of the church, the people that are reading it already knows some of these things that have taken place. Now, that is how incredible that it really, really was. So let me find my place here. Uh, 
I hope I'm in the right place here. Uh, Pastor Matt wrote this down. He said, let me offer you a profile of a Stephen. It's a concentrated personality that can be charismatic while being humble to the sa- at the same time. The most gifted among the people, yet also the one you see serving the least of those the most. The one all look to as an example, yet Stephen continues to look to Christ as the example. Never gets lazy on the mission, never prioritizes me over we, and never loses focus on God's love. And for the last few months, what he has shared with us is more about the movement and the solidarity of the community. You know, we've talked about what the people did, you know, as a group. But this is the first time where you're seeing in the book of Acts an individual step out. And this happens to be Stephen. And as we go through the rest of what Pastor Matt is, uh, is talking about, he's going, you're going to hear about more people that are stepping out and doing great things for God. And, and what uh, Satan meant uh, for evil, God meant for good, because you had, you had these people focusing in, you know, these uh, Romans and these Jews focusing in on this new faith group. And what was happening, the more pressure that was put to it, what was happening? It was being dispersed. During the time of this writing, for example, some of the greatest work that was going on was not going on in Jerusalem. The greatest work was going on in Rome and in Greece, you know, outside of where the church began. And this was just in, in about the second to the third generation of the young church. So let me, let me see where I am here. You guys, you have no idea how hard it is to preach some, somebody else's notes. <laughs> That's very difficult. But I'm going to do my best. And, and, and Matthew, I'm sorry. I, I promise you I'm sorry. But in Stephen, uh, uh, we, we see uh, an abundance of gifting. We see a man who isn't shaken by adversity. We see a man that shows mercy to his accusers. And you can see that. In, in what we've just read. Uh, but number one, Stephen presents a clear picture of the work God performs. Uh, Stephen, who stood out among the believers for the way God's grace was at work in his life and for his exceptional endowment with divine power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. So here it is, you know, how do we make application to that today? It's very important for you to understand that God wants every bit of me, and he wants every bit of you. Now, there's people in here, if you were to look on a spectrum, or you look on a scale, there's people who are all in. So they're over here at the 10. And then you've got other people that want a little bit of control in their life. So they might be over here about a seven. And you've got those people that are here by coercion. You know what I mean? I'm here because my old lady told me I better come to church, okay? Or I'm here because my parents are making me come to church. Or I'm here because I want to have as part of my good name, as part of my reputation, that I participate in activities at a local church. There's people here that are here for all kinds of reasons other than what they need to be here for. There's people here that are trying to follow rules, trying to follow, um, um, you know, the right way to do things, but still they have not given themselves wholly over to a holy God. And I think whenever a person finally takes that step over the line, that last step over the line, they live in the 
in freedom for the first time in their lives, really. Just like this person I spoke of early, earlier, and this gentleman that I spoke of here just a moment ago. Uh, the second thing is, um, your talents are revealed through genetics. Your gifting is revealed through grace. I want you to think about that for just a moment. Uh, there are certain things that you're good at just because, you know, you got them from your parents or your grandparents. And there's certain things that you're good at because that's what God has endowed you with. And that's very important. Somebody had asked last week uh, about, about knowing what their spiritual gifts are. And I think that's very important. And that's something that we're going to incorporate into our groups as we start them uh, this coming year or this, well, here in September, because there's people who say, yeah, uh, I know God's called me to something, but I just don't know what it is. Well, we want to make sure that you know what it is. So we're going to help you through uh, an assessment, determine what it is that you're, you're best at, where your gifts are. Like whenever I was first a Christian, let me tell you how I learned what my gifts were by what they weren't. <laughs> and there was a lot of things. I was just so anxious to do things, you know. I just wanted, you know, I'd tell my pastor, I said, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do that. I mean, I did whatever, you know, was needed at the church, and then I really stunk up the place on some of them, and I thought, okay, that's apparently not it. But then, and as, as much as it doesn't seem so right now, one of my gifts is teaching. And I can remember the first time I stood up to teach, it was almost as if it was, you know, it's just like dri driving a car with power steering, all right? Have you ever drove one without? Some of you all have. All right, back, when, back, back before power steering, you had manual steering and your steering wheels were that big. And the reason why they were is because they had to be. You know, you needed every bit of it, you know, to be able to turn it. But if you've driven a car with power steering and, and the power steering has went out or it's low on power steering fluid, you know, to be able to turn that steering wheel is real hard. Well, if you're working outside of the spirit, that's how it is whenever you're trying to do something. But whenever you're doing something that God has gifted you with, what you find out is that it's simple. And that's the way teaching was for me. That's the way evangelism was for me. Uh, I have no problem talking to anybody anytime, anywhere, uh, you know, about the relationship with Christ. And other people will look at me and say, oh God, I couldn't do that. Well, maybe you're, you don't have that gift. And, and that's okay. Because if you are a true blood-bought believer, you have been endowed with some form of gift that you can use for growing the kingdom, for the edification of the kingdom. You read all, all about that in, in Corinthians, for example, when it starts talking about gifting. But that's not what we're talking about right here. I have no idea where I am in this, but uh, go ahead and bring up the next screen and we're going to see what it says. Your truest sense of identity is found when you surrender, when your surrender activates your gifting and your gifting ignites movement. Now, that is so incredibly true. You don't know until you give yourself wholly over to God. And once you give yourself wholly over to God, then it's almost like, it's almost like a pitcher of water. I remember preaching one time, and uh, what I did, I took, I took two pitchers. I had one pitcher that was clean, you know, a pitcher of water, and I took another one that I had taken outside 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, rolled it around in the mud a little bit and everything and put mud down in it, you know, sloshed it around and then poured it out and then let it dry and cake in there. And then I brought some kids up and I said, uh, and I poured water in both of them. And I said, uh, you all thirsty? You want to drink a water? Yeah, yeah, I'll try to drink. You know, kid will take anything. So got them up there and I says, now which pitcher do you want to drink out of? And uh, we, want it, we want it out of that one. We definitely don't want it out of that one. And the reason why is because, you know, it really wasn't usable for a drinking pitcher. Well, see, that's the way we are, folks. If we're not where we need to be with God, God cannot use us. So, you know, you may be here this morning and you're at a place in your life where, where God can't use you. I, I don't know. But I'm going to jump all the way to the end and um, tell you something about Stephen. And, uh, and we'll close with this. Stephen didn't come with a padded resume. You know, have you ever felt like um, you have to be all that in a bag of chips before you can serve God? Now, that's not like certain jobs. There are certain jobs you need an education for. Okay? Now, if you're going to be a nurse, I would like to know that you know what you're doing before you come in my room and start sticking things in me. Okay? Uh, if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be, uh, you know, a certified mechanic, if you're going to be an HVAC technician, if you're going to be whatever, there are certain things that you have to learn. If you're going to be an electrician, you better understand it'll bite you, okay? If you're going to be a plumber, you're going to have certain things that you're going to have to understand. Like, there are certain things that I'll do that I don't know a lot about because it won't kill me. But there are certain things that I won't do because I know it will kill me. But whenever it comes to serving Christ, I can remember early on in my Christian life, I would look at people on the stage and I would say, man, I wish I could do that. Or I'd see people, because the church I went to and, and Jeremy went to, uh, we had a lot of missionaries come through. and We'd see them go out to the far reaches of the, of the uh, world, and uh, I would think, man, I'd like to do what Phil does. You know, I'd like to be called on to do something like that. But it all started with me surrendering to God. And once I surrendered to God, He would start putting me in places where I could serve Him. And here's another thing. He doesn't necessarily give you the desires of your heart. And that's really a good thing. You know, in the great theologian Garth Brooks, you know, <laughs> he says, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Okay? I know that there's been times that I've prayed, you know, Father, if you'll just let me do this. And I just, you know, it's a good thing that God didn't let me do those things. But I found out that whenever I surrendered to Him, and somebody may be here today, that's at that point, you may be here today and, and you're, you're tottering on, you know, I am really not 100% sure if I was to die right now whether I'd go to heaven or I'd go to hell. I'm just not sure. You know, if it's a good day, yeah, I'm going to heaven. If it's a bad day, eh, maybe not. And your understanding is that it, it's all determined on, on, on you when really it's all determined on God. But we haven't quite let loose yet. I've had that conversation with a couple people here lately. They just haven't turned loose yet to let God have all of them. And the way I describe it sometimes is that you just have to take your hands off of your life. You have to take your hands off of your situation. And that could, you could be sitting here today and all you need to do is make that decision to give your life 100% to Him. Or you could be a believer, and you could be sitting there and saying, you know, 
there's just one thing I've got in my life that I've just not surrendered yet because I like it too much. I refer to it as your best friend. You know, all sin is not, I mean, it's all bad. Don't get me wrong, it's all bad. But now some of it, don't tell anybody, but some of it's fun, okay? I mean, there's some sin out there that's just fun, all right? Would you agree? Yeah, there's some that's just fun. You know, you still enjoy doing it. But it's something that keeps you away from God. Where are you today in that? You know, do you have some secret sin that you're keeping that you don't want to divulge to God? Surprisingly, there's things that we have in our life that we cannot even say out loud because of the embarrassment that we have over them. But God already knows what they are. But if you're here today and you're ready to take your hands off your life and be a Stephen, you can be a Stephen. Can you imagine what this place would be if everybody that's part of what we're doing takes their hands off their life and lets God, lets God have 100% of them? Can you imagine what he would do here? We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.